Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Oh, brother. Good morning, good morning, and good morning. It was a late night for all of us, no doubt. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask, if you would, please subscribe to the program. You can also find us on Facebook, where the show is streaming on the Chatterbox Sports page. And if you prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, please do so. Search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. What a night. What a night. Crowd was great. Weather was great. And the Bengals were great to start the game. They take the opening kickoff. They drive down the field, settle for a field goal. Then they get a pick. Go down the field, touchdown Jamar Chase, and you're in business. But then the worm turned. A missed point after. That's four of them now for Evan McPherson this year. The Ravens then go 17 plays, 10 minutes, touchdown. We wondered all year long on this program if the Bengals could handle a smash-mouth, run-it-first football team. And in the second quarter, they could not. Next came a Hayden Hurst fumble. Injuries to Jonah Williams and E.I. Apple. More on those later. Baltimore field goal. You're 10-9 at halftime in favor of the Ravens. In the third quarter, the teams traded touchdowns and went on to the fourth, tied at 17. Early in the fourth quarter, admit it. Admit it. You were worried. I know I was worried. I'm sitting there at home watching it. I'm thinking, this is not good. The Ravens march right down the field once again, led by outstanding play from their quarterback, Tyler Huntley. Ravens get it inside the two-yard line, and then the play of the game. Right around Huntley, eight reaches, oh, that ball's out, that's live! Back the other way, Sam Hubbard! The Cincinnati kid, Hubbard's got a convoy, chased by Andrews at the 30, the 20, It was an unbelievable moment. Never seen anything like it. Logan Wilson was the one who made the play on the ball. Sam Hubbard takes the rebound. 98 yards, tie-breaking touchdown. It's the longest fumble return for a touchdown in the history of the postseason in the National Football League. Then we get to the fourth. The offense is doing nothing, and I mean nothing. Two, three, and out. The MVP of this game was the defensive line. Guys like Sample, Osai, Carter. Guys we haven't talked about at all, or barely at all, all year long. It ends with a 24-17 opening round win. It's the first time in franchise history that the Bengals have won playoff games in back-to-back seasons. Now look, we're going to celebrate it today, but moving ahead... Got to be concerned about the offensive line. Can they protect Burrow? If the fourth quarter was any example, there are serious questions. And, you know, I'd like to add one thing. We knew Lamar Jackson was not going to play in this game. He's hurt. And everyone can certainly understand that. There's no debate about it. But what I can't understand is how he doesn't even make the trip 
to cheer on his teammates. This isn't one of those, you know, you can't fly after surgery because of swelling, blood clot kind of things. If I were his teammate, and I'm not, I'd have a very hard time looking at him as a team leader ever again. And if I'm the owner, and I'm not, there is zero chance that I'm handing him $300 million on a long-term contract. He is D-U-N with me and my team. Next up for the Bengalis, just as fate would have it, the Buffalo Bills. They nearly didn't get to the second round, beating Miami 34-31 in a very sloppy, poorly officiated game in Orchard Park. Josh Allen throws for 352 yards, but he threw two picks. He had a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. Give a lot of credit to Mike McDaniels, and Miami coach, for having his team ready to play in that game, even with a third-string quarterback. But I got to tell you, and he wasn't alone. His clock management was brutal. And the Dolphins simply took too long to get plays into the huddle. If you looked at the stats, this game was dominated by Buffalo. But Miami had a shot. Three minutes to go, had a third and two. They run it, fail. Then they get a delay of game penalty on fourth and one. Fourth and one, delay of game. It turns into fourth and six. They try, game over after it fails. Back to Allen, by the way, for a minute. He was sacked seven times in the game. He's thrown 16 interceptions and has turned the ball over a league high 22 times. Talk about impressive quarterback play. How about guys that had never been to the postseason before? Let's start with Trevor Lawrence. And how about Jacksonville? They're down 27 nothing. They turn the ball over five times. The Jags rally to win on a field goal at the buzzer, 31-30 over the Chargers. Lawrence did not start the game well at all. Threw four picks in the first half, then came back to throw four touchdown passes in his playoff debut. And Justin Herbert in his playoff debut. I mean, are you kidding? Three points in the second half. Please, please never again. Don't ever put Herbert in the same category as Burrow, Mahomes, or Josh Allen ever again. If he gets one first down in the second half, one more, they win the game, and he can't do it. Next week, Jacksonville goes to Kansas City. Can the Jags pull off the upset? On the NFC side, the Niners looked like they were going to boat race Seattle. But then the Seahawks get a late second quarter touchdown, take a one-point lead at the half. And then Seattle got boat raced. Rookie Brock Purdy. My, oh, my, Casey McAllister, Paul Fritzner. Good morning, men. All three of you guys, along with Brandon Seho, were at the game last night. Fantastic. What an environment at Paycor last night. It was electric. No doubt. We're going to get into all that today. Got two hours to do it. Brock Purdy throws for 332 yards and three touchdowns. San Francisco outscored Pete Carroll's team 25-6 in the second half, win 41-23. Next up for the Niners, the winner of tonight's game between Dallas and Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, in his career, has never lost to the Cowboys. The best quarterback over the weekend, and this is where Tom Brenneman was wrong. That's R-O-N-G wrong. Daniel Jones, your guy, Paul. My guy, baby. Vindicated. Daniel Jones of the Giants. He was unbelievable. The Giants win 31-24 over Minnesota. Jones throws for over 302 touchdowns. He runs it 17 times for 78 yards. The G-Men. March on to the NFC semis against Philly. 
The Eagles beat the Giants twice during the regular season. As for the Vikings, think about this for a minute, okay? In the final two games of the regular season and then one playoff game, arguably the best receiver in the NFL is Justin Jefferson, okay? Chase, Jefferson, whatever, okay? In the final three games he played this year, he had a total of 100 receiving yards, total in three games. In the prior 15 games this year, Justin Jefferson had 10 games with 100 receiving yards or more. Saturday, college hoops, 11 ranked teams lost, 11. That's the most in a single day since 2011. The biggest shocker came in Knoxville. UK head man John Calipari came to his players, said, give me your phones, give me your computers, give me all your devices, and vices probably for that matter. He said, men, go get a good night's sleep. You're not looking at anything. Let's go get them tomorrow. And the Cats responded. Maybe a season saving. 63-56 win over number five, Tennessee. Now, number nine, Arizona lost. Number 11, Kansas State lost. I only mentioned them because they were ranked ahead of Xavier. No more when the polls come out later today. Xavier wins another thriller at home over number 25, Marquette, 80-76. to Jack Nungy. Notched a double-double, 16 points, 13 rebounds. X has ripped off 11 straight wins. Will play at DePaul Wednesday night. UC got a two-point win at SMU on Saturday. Bearcats are 13 and 6. They're doing all right. They play Wednesday night at South Florida. Sad news in college football. This was brutal. It was hours after they had a celebration for the national championship. Georgia offensive lineman Devin Willock, who started two games, played in every game for the Dogs this season and a recruiting staff member, Chandler McCoy, were killed in a car crash late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Two others were in the car driven by McCoy and are hospitalized in Athens, Georgia. Our thoughts and prayers are with all of them. We have Tim McGee coming up in about five minutes to talk about everything going on. So we're going to take a time out. We have hundreds, if not thousands, in the chat watching right now. We appreciate you being with us. We're back to talk about the Bengalis. They march on to Buffalo. Are you ready, Buffalo? Are you ready for the Bengalis? We're back in a moment. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. And here it comes. Ooh, just the hanger. Oh, we still got the hanger in there. Uh, all right, while, uh, while Tom's gone here for a minute, Casey, let's, uh, because we're probably not going to spend too much time on this while Tom is here, let's talk about the experience last night. Let's talk about how, how the whole experience was from before the game to after the game for people that might not have been there. I know there were a lot of people that are listening to this that were there. Um, I was there. You were there. Brandon was there. Reed was there. Great, great night last night. So how was it for you? You and I were on opposite ends. You were on the other end zone. I was on the opposite end zone. Yeah, so I was on the northern side, right? Yep. Um, yeah, so you were on the it, end zone that had its back to uh, seventy-five. Yep. Yep. It was a electric night, um, but most of it, it, it it started off really nice. It started off really high. Yep. And it just dwindled down further and further, and then just to kind of set the 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 tone of it, it was it was just kind of like disappointing yeah it was just disappointing all the way up until the sam hubbard return touchdown fumble 
And I mean, that place was just right back to being electric, yep. back to being full 100%. We're all back in this game. It just always seems like the Bengals find a way to get back into games. Yeah. To, to, to get that spark, to get the electric that the team needs. Yeah, I thought it was a weird – it was very tentative, right? You got a, you got into halftime and things were kind of, yeah, back and forth. The Bengals were losing at halftime, and you're thinking to yourself, all right, well, they're probably going to come out here and get it done in the second half. The Bengals have been a second-half team this year. But you could tell there was nervousness. You could tell that everybody was pensive in the crowd. You're looking around. You're talking to people. Uh, the guy I was there with went and got us – he got us a chicken finger and fry basket in the fourth quarter. I didn't eat it. I couldn't eat. I, I was so nervous. I couldn't eat. I told him, no, I'm not. I can't eat a thing. I just wanted to, to stand there and just watch the game and, and enjoy it. And I, I for, as, for as nervous as everybody was, it came down to the end. And then there was just this huge sigh of relief, right? You got down to the end. And when, when the Ravens got that holding call, uh, I don't remember who it was on, but the holding call right at the end that backed up the Ravens 10 yards, I think that was where, that was where I took a sigh of relief. And, uh, yes, we do, Tom. We have Tim in here. So we will kick it to him as soon as you're ready. But, anyway, that was my experience. Great, great atmosphere, though. Yeah, and the tailgating before? Oh, awesome. That was awesome. Awesome. All right, Tom. I heard from a lot of pe uh, people. Uh, our son went down there, but I had a lot of buddies that were down there. I, I heard that uh, it was really, really cold in the tailgating time. But then when they got in the stadium, I mean, I know the temperature dropped, obviously, as it got dark. But did you think that or no? I, uh, I was around a ton of people at the tailgate for a while. So I don't know if maybe it was just a lot of people being around. Okay. I, was, I wasn't that cold. But, yeah, it, it, once the sun went down in the stadium, I, I – you got to about the fourth quarter, and you were – I had hand warmers, luckily, but yep. it, was, oh, it, was, yeah. it was a chilly night. Yep. It, you know what I will say? At least there was no precipitation because if it, Amen. Was, if it was, you know, a light sprinkle or if it was uh, a dusting of snow or anything, I would, have, I would have put a damper on things. But All right, we have Tim in. All right, let's get to Tim McGee. Former Bengals great. I tell you, Tim, I had to go downtown last night about 11.45 and pick up our son and his buddy who went to the game, and I got the radio on, and I'm thinking, all right, now I can listen to Tim and, and Chip Ludwig do their thing. Even late <laughs> night, they're going to be going strong, and you're not there. Where were you? Dude, I do not work at midnight to 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old, man. I'm old. I'm in bed. The excitement of the game wore me down, man. I can't. I just couldn't take that type of intensity anymore, man. All right. Well, well tell me. G give me your overall thoughts of the game, your impression after watching the whole thing start to finish. Well, it, it's really weird because every time I think of this game, look at this game, watch the game, after thought of the game, I can't help but think Lamar Jackson. I, I know he's still the biggest story, even though he did not play because – I'm just thinking how well Baltimore could have done if, obviously, if he was playing. But when you look at the game that was played without Lamar, you look at it and go, okay, the Bengals cannot, especially offensively, they cannot play three quarters of football. That's number one. Number two, their running game is anemic. Uh, but they still, this team, find ways to win football games. And to me, that is, in itself is something special. I mean, I think, it was a miracle they won this particular game, but 
it's just something is just not there. And maybe I have to lower the bar because my expectations, I really thought they were going to blow Baltimore out. I truly thought they would win that game decisively. But uh, Baltimore, you know, you just got to give Baltimore credit what they do, uh, what Harborough does with such, I'm going to say, little talent or restrictions or limitations on offense. They still was, they were in a game. And, you know, when you when you think about it, even as a Bengal fan, I say Baltimore gifted the Bengals a game last night. I, I, before we get on to, to, to talking about the Bengals and, and some of the issues that rose up in the game last night, which you just pointed out, uh, I made the comment, Tim, in the monologue today. Um, when they went down on NBC to Melissa Stark last night and they said right before the game that Lamar Jackson did not even make the trip to Cincinnati. Uh, I got to tell you, Tim, um, you know, I've been lucky. I I never obviously never played. You played. You've been in there. And maybe your reaction to this is different. But just based on my 30 plus years being around football players and baseball players and nothing's more important than what your teammates think about you. And, and, I, and I have to ask you, you know, for me, him not getting on the plane and to at least be a presence on the sideline for Baltimore last night, for me, if I'm one of his teammates, I have a hard time looking at him as being a leader of my franchise moving forward. Am I off base on that? No, I, I think you're 100% right. But they'll, they'll be – fragments in the locker room there's no question some people will totally understand that he's going after his money bag and he has to do what he has to do and they will be on board with it and then there will be that you know middle ground where okay i understand it but damn you still could have got on that plane and then there'll be people that will just absolutely despise him uh for what he's doing to the team and because he is the team is built around him the offense is customized around him he if he would have just, like like I said early in the week, if this guy would have walked out on the practice field and showed his teammates, I'm at least trying, that is a message within itself that your leader is doing his best to get on the football field with you Sunday night. But consequently, by not even trying and not traveling, he's also sending a direct message that I really don't care about you guys. I care about myself. I care about my money. And I am going to show this management, particularly the owner and the general manager, I'm going to show them how well and important I am. And if I don't play, you don't win. Okay, fine. They Obviously, they understand that. That's a message, in my very strong opinion, that he does not have to send because they know that. It is just a numbers game. And I think the major part of it, when you break it down, Tom, is the fact that he doesn't have an agent. He doesn't have that conduit between him and the club from the emotional standpoint. And I think that's probably what's really affecting him. He's probably taking some things so personal because he doesn't understand what negotiations are all about. All right, let's shift gears now to uh, the Bengals. Walk me through, Tim, when, when you look. What, you know, look let, let's start with the offensive line, okay? We know what happened coming in. What was your impression? Let's just start with the right side. We'll get to, to, to Jackson, Carmen, and Jonah Williams here in a minute. But the two starters on the right side, Adeniji and Sharping, how did you feel that they played? They played okay. Um, and when I say okay, you first thing you have to do, Tom, you have to understand why a starter is a starter and a backup is a backup. If there's a 
huge disparity or the backup would be starting at least somewhere in the National Football League, unless he was a rookie getting some time and things of that nature. So, yes, there's going to be a drop off. Now, the question is, will they be so exposed that it would hurt the offense? I don't think that happened. Now, did they play great? No. Did they play good? I'm going to give them an, you know, a on a scale of one to ten. They probably played a five. Okay, and that's fine as long as they wasn't I, I as long as they wasn't a thorn in Joe Burrow's side, meaning that Baltimore just absolutely dominated dominated the line of scrimmage. Now, with that being said, when we talk about the offensive line, Tom you got to give credit to the coaches. They adjusted to quick throws where Joe would not be as exposed as he would have been. So, but that limits who they really are. So that limits that long pass down the field where you really need that time. But I thought they did an adequate job, but I think they'll be in trouble, real trouble next week. Um, you know, look, Jonah Williams, uh, he's had his issues this year. I think he gave up the most sacks of any left tackle in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, 12 of them. But, uh, you know, Jackson Carmen's a young man, grew up right up the road over here in Fairfield. And, uh, you know, he was given a chance very early on, high draft pick. Things did not pan out, loses his job to a rookie this year. Now he's coming in uh, to play tackle. Um, there are already long days and nights for the coaching staff, uh, as it is no matter what, regular season, postseason. Um, how different is this offense uh, going to look heading into Buffalo if they don't have Jonah Williams? Uh, I don't, if, first, let's talk about having Jonah Williams. He's already struggling. I mean, when I say struggling, he, he didn't have the best year. Like you said, he gave up 12 or so uh, sacks. So when you add that to the piece of now he may be injured. So he will not be 100%. I think we can all pretty much know that going into the game. So when you're talking about a guy that's already given up 12 sacks, playing average or below average. Now he's got to go in there and play hurt. Well, that's when a coach has to make a decision. Would we rather have a 70, 60% Jonah Williams or the backup? If they play Jonah Williams, that really says something about Carmen Jackson that, wow, they are really down on this young man who's 100%, but they're going to play a guy who's only 60 to 70%. That concerns me. That's when I look at it. And from a offensive standpoint oh my gosh you know what do you do a, a byproduct of that would be of struggling a struggling offensive line i'll give you an example there was a time where chase in i think the third quarter ran a slant route and when he ran the slant route the safety jumped on it and, and they met at the ball at the same time and the safety made a play on it okay what does that mean why is that an impact well there is no way in he double hockey sticks that that safety would have done that with a healthy offensive line because Jamar would have ran right by him. So they know the pressure's coming. They, the defense know they're going to get pressure on Joe Burrow and they're going to make the quick throws go. And that's, you know, that's not the Bengals offense. And, and I am really, really, really concerned about that. Is it absurd, Tim? Uh, there was talk about this a couple of weeks ago. Is it absurd to even entertain the thought of asking Andrew Whitworth to come back? Yeah, it's absurd because he's under contract. You would have to trade for him, number one. There's there's two elements of that. What people don't understand, his rights are still held by L.A., the Rams. That's number one. So, I mean, obviously, if I'm the Rams, I'm sitting there going, you want him? You know, come to Papa. Uh, I, I got the leverage over here. Number two, 
Whit had not, I mean, he was a great player, but he's retired. And he is not Michael Jordan. He's not coming back out of retirement in his prime. So with that being said, be careful what you ask for. He may be there in uniform, just like me, but with the peg leg I have, the bad knee, the bad shoulder, the bad this, the bad that, I, I, you don't have enough time for me to talk about all my bad ailments. It would be very <laughs> difficult for him to compete at that level. So it is absolutely absurd to me, but I understand that's more of an emotional plea than a practical plea. Let's have a guy of quality to come in and play lineman. And not gonna happen. And if it does, well, number one, it's not gonna happen. I'm not even gonna go there. Okay. Um, Buffalo uh, on Sunday dominated the game statistically, much like, um, you know, the Ravens statistically dominated the game last night. I mean, the Bengals averaged in the game four yards per play in the game. Baltimore outrushed them, outpassed them, um, on and on and on and on. Buffalo, Josh Allen was sacked seven times in that game by Miami. Now, Miami's got a good pass rush. Uh, I thought the Bengals' pass rush last night for some young guys who we haven't talked a lot about did very, very well, especially late in the game. Um, but Allen has turned it over a league high 22 times this year. He throws two more picks. He fumbles for a touchdown in the game yesterday. Um, they got to be a little concerned in, in, in Buffalo uh, about him and their offense too, right? I would, I would say no. That's who they are. That's that's their identity. They they play high risk, high reward football. You think about it. Josh Allen runs the ball like a running back. He is not a protected quarterback. When they are putting game plans together, it does not stay in the pocket, do the right thing, go down, slot. No, he is running over people. So it's hard for us to change our mental approach when it comes to a quarterback like him. He is a big clunky Lamar Jackson, but he has the mentality of a gunslinger. So he's kind of a Brett Favre and a Lamar Jackson, a hybrid of, of both of those guys. So I don't think, yeah, is, is Buffalo running on all cylinders? Absolutely not. However, their style of play, I think they pretty much, I won't say are comfortable with it, but understand that there are going to be some turnovers. It is, you know, protecting the football, obviously, is everyone's identity. But here's what Buffalo has. Buffalo has the ability that if they get behind, they can play from behind. If they get up, they can increase their lead. So Buffalo can play and beat you different ways. And I think they're more so struggle on deep on the defensive side of football than the offensive side of football. But they got, you know, they got formidable weapons on that on that offense that just, you know, when you play against the Bengals, it's going to be scary. And they're healthy. One final question I want to ask you about, and, and, and I think today, and if you take off your, your Bengals glasses for a minute, not you, but I'm saying in general, the people watching the show, I think one of the most fascinating stories in sports, we're going to find out the answer to it later today. I don't know how closely you're following this, but there was a time you were a player agent. And NIL has come into the mix now in the collegiate game, and we know about all of that. It was a foregone conclusion that Ohio State star quarterback C.J. Stroud was going to go to the NFL draft, and he might. He has to make a decision by the end of day today. He's been a Heisman finalist two years in a row. He is considered to be the number one quarterback pick, and many people feel like he's a top three or four pick. 
which would be basically guaranteed about $25, $30 million. He's a deeply religious kid. He cares very much about his legacy and about other things in the big picture. Okay, now I'm not saying what he ought to do one way or the other. But he's not declared for the draft yet. And there's a chance he's coming back to Ohio State. And they're saying, a lot of people are saying, that this could change the landscape on NIL differently than anything we have ever seen up to this point in time. Do you have any thoughts? Maybe it's unfair of me to even ask you about this because I didn't tell you ahead of time. Let me tell you, I love it. I absolutely love it. This young man has something called a choice. He has the opportunity to stay in school and still make his money. Or he can go to the NFL and make his money. I couldn't tell you as a former player, you have very little options of what you can or cannot control. It's usually you're in a system that says you have to do ABC one, two, three, and you do ABC one, two, three. This young man, as well as the collegiate athlete today, they have choices. And the systems around them, whether it be the college or professional football, has to adjust to that. So I think it's a great opportunity for this guy to really sit down with his family and see what's in his best interest. Now, the downside of taking the NIL deal, that makes you one more year removed from from that rookie contract expiring and getting the $200 million or $300 million that's if you're successful, assuming you're successful in the NFL, to get that type of money. So you it, use Joe Burrow as an example. Imagine if Joe Burrow would have stayed in school one more year well, and gotten whatever $10 million from his NIL deal. Well, guess what? That $10 million in, four, in that extra year would probably cost him another 30, 40, maybe even 50 million with the numbers heading in the direction that they're heading. So options are great. But if you want to play with the big boys and you want to play with the best of the best, uh, let me tell you, playing against a 17-year-old is totally different than playing against a 27-year-old stud. So I took the, I, I would have taken the, the, the route of I want to play against the best because I want to be the best. So I, I wouldn't be playing against 17- or 18-year-olds. I got you. All right. Tim, you're the best, man. Thanks for joining on such short notice. And uh, it's a big-time game. Big-time game. This is a game everybody, we were waiting for it. Uh, on that Monday night, the Bengals came out rolling in that game against Buffalo. They get the touchdown. Buffalo gets a field goal. The Bengals are marching back down the field before the cardiac arrest of DeMar Hamlin. And thank God above, he's doing very, very well right now. Uh, but this is a game, uh, the game, that people – this will be the most watched game maybe of all of them come this weekend. Yeah, and, and here's the beauty of it. Once this game is over, if Kansas City win – that will be the most watched <laughs> game after this one. So, and you know what? If you think about this, Tom, I'm a football guy, and you cover a lot of different sports, and you're awesome at it. I mean, absolutely awesome. Oh, thank you. When have you known back-to-back years that the NFL has had these type of games, matchups, yeah. and games? I'm talking about the matchup matching the PR that goes into it. It's It's been phenomenal. So far, it's been phenomenal. All the games have been great games. Man, I, I, I'm as a football fan now, I'm just so excited. And, you know, I, I, I hope my beloved Bengals make it. But if I, as you said, took off the, the Bengals glasses, I think it's going to be an uphill climb for them. You know, it's funny you say that because you stop and think about it. I was talking about this with my son last night. 
To win the Super Bowl, the Bengals are basically going to have to win three Super Bowls now moving forward because everybody agrees. Buffalo's a Super Bowl team. Kansas City, potentially. Super Bowl team. And then whoever comes out of the NFC, 49ers, whoever. I mean, this is a stretch in the next potentially four weeks where the Bengals will have to win three Super Bowl games against three Super Bowl teams. On the road. Buffalo, potentially Kansas City, and then Arizona. Wow. You're talking about the odds being stacked. But this, that formula in itself, by it being so tough, by us sitting here and when we analyze it and we break it down, we're like, man, that's, and they, they're hurt. These are the things that you look back and go, can you believe they won the Super Bowl under these conditions? No, basically two offensive linemen, everyone else backups on the road, Buffalo, Kansas City, Arizona, NFC champions, which will probably, in my opinion, be San Francisco. But if they were to do that, it would just make it that much more special. You know, I, I, I keep telling you, I want to tell you goodbye, but, but there were a couple of things that came up over the weekend, and it made me think. You know, in, in a day and age, Tim, where it doesn't matter what the sport is, but we're going to talk about football. In the day and age where we hear so much about rebuilding and needing time to get things together and a new system and a new coach, when you look at what Brian Dable has done with the Giants, and when you look at what Peterson has done with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, in one year, first year right out of the gate. Right now, granted, you know, Daniel Jones, talented guy. He proved something to me yesterday that I didn't think he had in him. Shame on me. Trevor Lawrence coming out of college, phenomenal player, up and down rookie year. But, but, but I think, you know, these guys might be ruining it for a lot of guys who are taking over as a head coach that they're asking for two, three, four years to get the thing in the right direction. Yeah, these guys are showing what to rebuild. Uh, if the nucleus of your talent is there, my system, I mean, you look at Zach Taylor, and more so you look at Lou Anarumo. Uh, you know, Lou, I personally thought was going to get fired, and I thought he deserved to get fired based on the statistics and how the defense was performing. But that shows you, you put my system and you give me my guys that I can put in my system and you build a bond or a relationship like Joe Burrow and, and, and Zach Taylor. And, and you can tell when you look at the Giants, these guys are out there playing for the coach. It's very easy. It's fun. And, you know, it's it's no longer where when you walk into the lunchroom, the, you go, the coaches go left and you go right. It's now we're more of, and when I use the term family, we're on the same page. We can talk to one another. We don't take things personal. And if I need to challenge you, I can challenge you. And yes, they're making, now you got to go back. These teams have talent. Now, I think there's some a, a huge difference between a team like the New York Giants or the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. Yeah. The Houston Texans has very little talent. So whoever gets that job will need to, you know, build through the draft or free agency and get a nucleus and go from there. But you got to commend the guys like Zach Taylor. You got to commend, you know, the, the guys in New York and, and Jacksonville and some other teams as well that's been able to turn it around in a in a split second, so it seems. So, yeah, I think the uh, it's going to be tough for coaches to go into that interview process and I need five years, three years is going to take me to get there and then we'll start winning after, after the third year. Uh, it's going to be hard to sell the owners on that. Tim, thanks as always for your time, young man. Have a great rest of your day.
I, I really appreciate it. I see you rocking the UDF. I think that's UDF. I can that's UDF. That's it. one of our proud sponsors along with Pawnee Water. Tim, you're on your game. You're on your game, young there man. You you're go. There you go. There you go. I, I, pre- I appreciate you having me, my brother. I appreciate you having me. All right, man. Tim McGee, former Bengal great, number 85. Tim McGee. Love Tim McGee. Great dude. Always was a great dude. Uh, you know, I remember I was right out of college, and he was coming right out of Tennessee, and I was working for Channel 5, and just always been a first-class guy. Um, gentlemen, Tom. All right, let's walk through some of some of the some of your observations and thoughts about uh, the game. Uh, the Bengals made the play when they had to make the play, whether it was the Hubbard play and and Wilson batting the ball. Um, boy, how about the comments made by J.K. Dobbins after the game last night? Yeah, we got we have we have an hour and twenty three minutes to talk about a lot of different things yes. here. There there is a lot to get to, um, whether it's J.K. Dobbins, whether it's anything else. The one thing that I do want to start with, <clears throat> and just very quickly, we joke a lot about how Samaj P. Ryan should have dove for the ball in the Super Bowl uh, last year, and and that's kind of become a shtick on this show. And I was talking before we went on the air. I was sitting right behind that last Hail Mary play. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if there was a replay that really showed the angle on it. But on the, I, I did go back and watch the play from the NBC broadcast. Um, it looked a whole lot closer than it was. In, oh, in it was real close. Life. It looked on the NBC broadcast like it was there. I was sitting right behind the play. I never really thought he was going to, like, he, it was farther away from his hands than it looked. When I watched that on NBC, I'm sitting there going, Man, if, if you didn't see it from that angle, you would have thought he was going to catch that ball easily for a touchdown. But sitting behind the play, you could see there was probably a foot or two at least in between his hands and the ball. It wasn't that. It was close. I'm not saying it, it was totally out of his, you know, it wasn't like 10 feet away. But it, it wasn't a catchable ball. I'll say that. He laid out full extension for it. So. Well, it was uh, it was scary nonetheless. Oh, it was scary. Uh, I'm I mean, not denying those that. Those Hail Marys, you know. And, and let me ask you guys this, just your, your, your opinion on this. Because, you know, it, it, it's, it's a debate that will never have an answer. We'll never know. But if the Ravens score a touchdown there, does Harbaugh go for two in the win? Yes. I, yes, he does. Yes. 100%. Why do you say that? I mean, why not, with the overtime rules being different this year, they changed them after what happened last year in the – uh, divisional round, Kansas City against Buffalo, where, you know, back and forth, great game. Kansas City got the ball, scored a touchdown. Buffalo never got the ball. That doesn't happen anymore. If he kicks a point after in a game where statistically they are dominating the game, dominating the game. They had 150 yards more of offense, over 100 more rushing yards, uh, more yards per play on average. Why go for the win there? if you know you're going to get the ball at least one time. And look, they had shut down the Bengals' offense in the fourth quarter. Totally shut it down. Back-to-back three and outs. Yeah, I will say that. I think that because the Ravens' defense was playing so well, I could listen to an argument where they just kick the extra point and then uh, try to play it out in overtime, potentially get a quick stop, right? If the Bengals get the ball first, get a quick stop, and then just get into Justin Tucker's field goal range real quick off a punt. You know, try to flip the field. I could see them doing that, but I just think the way the game was trending when you have the Bengals on their heels like that, if you're Harbaugh, we've seen Harbaugh gamble 
like that before you go for two there and just try and win the yeah. game. The expectations were them for, for them to lose anyways. So the fact that they were that close to even tying it or winning it, in fact. Well, I don't I think mean, those were, were really... John Harbaugh's expectations for them well, to lose. Right. But what I'm saying is just kind of going off of Paul's point, they were on their heels. If they would have scored there, I think he goes for the win. I think the Bengals were, would have been in panic mode. They would have been in scramble mode. And also, I just don't think he would give Joe Burrow the ball back in the in overtime. I think uh, I think he's smarter than that than to let it come down to Joe Burrow in overtime. But that's just maybe I'm giving him too much credit thinking that, or Joe Burrow too much credit. But that would be my thought as a head coach. I do not want Joe Burrow to get the ball in overtime. And I know the overtime rules are different now. Both yeah. teams get a chance to yeah. score a touchdown, yeah. but. We were holding them out of the out of the end zone all game, so it was one broken play for a touchdown, and then they had scored one other time in the red zone. But the, all the other times, the, the fumble, we stopped them for another time, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, um, I, I am one of John Harbaugh's biggest fans, but 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 I have to tell you. Uh, I'd pin the lo- the Baltimore loss directly on him for the game last night. Uh, and, and again, I repeat, I am a huge John Harbaugh fan. He had won more road playoff games as a head coach than any coach in the history of football. And that, that's saying something. Road games, NFL. But, but, but two things for me saying what I just said. Number one. J.K. Dobbins is an unbelievable back. This guy is a gamer. He is tough. He is physical. He can catch the ball. Most importantly, he wants the ball. There are a lot of guys out there that are great players, but they don't want the ball when it matters. Dobbins went to the Baltimore coaching staff and said, look, I've had the ACL. I've had another surgery to get right. I got the week off last week. You sat me down. Put the game on my back. This is what he said to the coaching staff before the game ever started. Put the game on my back, and we will win the game. Dobbins got 13 carries in the game. 13. And he rushed for over 60-something yards. Now, you get the ball inside the 10 Yard line. Dobbins had run through two or three Bengals to score a touchdown already inside the five earlier in the game. How in the world you get to the two-yard line and you don't give the ball to J.K. Dobbins for a chance to score the go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter? Huntley is not known as a runner. Harbaugh came back after the game and he said, look, the idea was he was supposed to go low and not go up high. That was on Huntley when the ball got knocked out when he tried to break the plane. He said the, the, the deal was we had two guys behind him. He was supposed to go down low under the center and we were going to shove him in the end zone. But that's not the way it played out. So that's number one. Dobbins never gets some. In fact, he's not even on the field. When the Ravens get the ball inside the 10, that's number one. Number two, 
if you were in the stadium, and I've talked to three people that were, sometimes with the emotion, the crowd, you, you get lost as to what's going on with the clock. What Harbaugh did in the last two minutes of the game, and especially when they got down to the 130, 140 mark, huddling up, two timeouts left, not calling a timeout, not going no huddle. They blew, and I think Collinsworth made the point, they blew a minimum of 45 to 50 seconds on the clock that they could have utilized to try and score a touchdown. Well, at one point, I, the, my friend that I was sitting with, I looked at him, and I was looking at the play clock. They killed 30 seconds on one play. I know. With about a minute 45 left, and I looked up at the timeouts. I had to double-check. I thought for a second I'd forgotten that they had maybe used all their timeouts. I had no idea what was going on. I thought maybe I was missing. I went on to Twitter. I thought maybe I was missing something. And then everybody on Twitter was tweeting, what is this clock management? What's going on? Yep. So I'm, th I'm thinking, okay, well, I guess I'm not that far off base. And then all of a sudden, you s they snap the ball. They it, the, it's, it gets tackled in bounds. And then the clock keeps running. What were they doing? What happened? Yeah, I mean, that goes back to my other point where they don't want to give Joe Burrow back the ball with any time. I kind of understand, but at the same time, he still mismanaged it. He left too much time, or he put too much time away. Like, he, he was draining too he much. He gave it away. He gave it away. And he could have at least, like, I, I, he's not Patrick Mahomes, right? He's not going to drive down in 15, no. 15 seconds on that defense. So he could have done it a lot better. I think he just didn't realize how much, just kind of like you were saying. And he's been known to do this from time to time, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of Ravens fans are on the chat, or at least those that follow the Ravens and watch them regularly, and they say that, you know, Harbaugh has, has had game uh, clock mismanagement issues in the past. He's won a lot of games. He came rolling into this town with a backup quarterback. Uh, he had his team ready to play. They were right there. Last night, the Ravens were a better team than the Bengals. And a lot of people out there are going to get mad about it. They were a better team. But they did not win the game. The Bengals found a way on a miracle play to win the game. Is this the best defense that the, the Bengals are going to play in the playoffs? No doubt about yes. it. Unless you get to the Super Bowl and you see the 49ers. There's no doubt about it. Baltimore, and we said it beforehand, which is why I picked... I think you guys did not, which is why I picked the Ravens to cover. You did. Because in a divisional game, um, these games are normally – I mean, look at Buffalo and Miami. Miami had no business being on the field in that game. It's their third-string quarterback, and they lose by three. And, boy, you talk about just a disaster. I mean, we'll get into some of these other coaches um, – whether it's McDaniels in Miami, whether it's Staley with the Chargers. I mean, I just can't believe that these guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars. And some of the things that go on. Did you see the end of that Miami game? Oh, that was, was brutal. I mean, it was, it, it, it was impossible to believe and you could see it coming from a thousand miles away because it was going on the whole damn game. They couldn't get the play called to Skylar Thompson. He's one of those guys because, you know, third string guy you know, it is what it is. And he's having to flip open the, 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 the play chart 
on his wristband. Every single snap is going down to one. They get to third and two at midfield. They kick a field goal to send this thing into overtime. They get into third and two, and for whatever reason, they decide to come rushing to the line of scrimmage. They try to run the ball, stop. Now it's fourth and one. This is the season. This is the game. This is everything. And they cannot get a play called in time and have to take a five-yard delay of game penalty. It's hard enough against Buffalo as it is. Fourth and one becomes fourth and six. They try to throw a game over. Buffalo wins the game. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that in my life. You've got 40 seconds right there. And you can't get a fourth. McDaniels came out after the game, and he didn't throw somebody in front of the bus by name, but he basically threw somebody in front of the bus. He said, I was told in my headset that we converted on the third down play. Stevie Wonder on the sideline would have known that they didn't convert on third down. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That's I mean, a, seriously, they weren't even close to converting that's on that excuse. third down play. That's a bad excuse. That's bad. I didn't hear him say that. Yeah, that was his comment after the game. That's bad. He said, it's the first time it's happened all year long. He said, somebody said in my headset, and I don't remember who it was, that we got the first down. So then what happened was, according to McDaniels after the game, they already had on their field their personnel for a first and 10. Now, all of a sudden, they realize it's fourth down in a yard. So off comes one group, in comes the next group, scrambling around to make a play call, and they cannot get it in because they were out of timeouts. They cannot get it in and take a delay of game penalty on a fourth and one with the season on the line. You just run the play at that point. You can't. You can't. They weren't even. They weren't even up on the line of scrimmage. It's just you. You, you got to run the initial play, whatever it was called, right? Like yeah. you, you just live with it. Yeah. You can't afford to take a delay a game. You got to control what you can control, and that is something that was out of his control. He made a play call. You got to stick with it and live by it. So now you look at the, the Dolphins and the Bills, and, and Trace, I'm sure we'll talk more about the Dolphins on the box lunch because he was all over the Dolphins heading into this yes, game. Yes, he was. Um, the Dolphins making the Bills look beatable? Yeah. Beatable? Question I mean, mark? I mean, they, Josh Allen was not good yesterday. Well, I mean. Uh, he got the job done. He was sacked seven times. Yeah, I mean, he got killed. That was a, a Joe Burrow-esque sort of run for your life, literally, after the snap of the ball. He still had 350-something yards passing. And he had a couple of touchdowns, but he did turn it over three times. One fumble, went for a touchdown for Miami, and he threw two picks. We've said all year long on off the bench, Allen is extremely sloppy with the football. When he's great, he is great. And maybe unlike anybody else, even more so than Burroughs and Mahomes because of the way he can run the ball. Um, but boy, does he get sloppy with the ball. I think both of these teams have major concerns coming into this game this week. Oh, very much so. I, uh, 
after the game last night, I was going back and I was thinking about it, and you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, you're down three offensive linemen. Now, maybe Kappa comes back. Maybe the Bengals aren't down three offensive linemen. But uh, maybe maybe Kappa comes back. Who knows? Give positive vibes. That's right. But either way, you're, you're talking about a Bengals team that is basically down to the offensive line that they went to the Super Bowl with last year, which is weird to say because everybody was complaining about it, and it was the reason they didn't win the Super Bowl last year. But – you're playing with an offensive line that got you to the Super Bowl last year. Think about what the Bengals – we don't need to go on about it. We've talked about it a lot. But think about what the Bengals did in Tennessee. How many times did Joe Burrow got sacked? What, seven times in yep, that nine. game? Nine. Nine, nine times. Nine, nine times. Yep. Even worse, nine times in that game. The Bengals still found a way to win. Josh Allen is much better than Ryan Tannehill. But the Bengals still found a way to win that game on the road in this divisional round. So if you're talking about it – I mean, it's not crazy, and this is not the, – the spread is four, three and a half. I, I haven't seen the update. I, I guess I could look here at the bottom of the screen when it flashes across. But it was three and a half, four as it moved overnight. I think that's probably right for the Bills, three and a half, four. But I, I think this is going to be a close game. I don't think this is going to be a blowout either way. No, no, no. I, I think you're spot on there. I, I, I'm just really, really concerned, as everybody else is, about – an offense that has been so inconsistent. They win games. And they're and at the end of the day, and I say it all the time, throw all the stats, it's all BS, throw it out the window, okay? Do you win or do you lose? And one thing you can say about this Bengal team is, with this group, head coach Zach Taylor, and I got to tell you, I'm coming around on a guy. I really am. I mean, I beat him up early about his decision, and I'll still stand by that to not play the offensive line in the preseason. And Burrow was lucky to get out of those first two games alive. But going into last night during the eight-game winning streak, Burrow had only been sacked 12 times total during the eight straight wins. Last night, two new starters on the right side. Williams goes out. He gets sacked four times in the game. But... I'm just concerned about the inconsistency of these this offense. Yeah, I was I was just going to bring this up. It just seemed like everyone was just a little bit off. Yeah. A everyone. I mean, Jamar Chase was dropping some balls. There were some guys not running through the full route, or they were not quite able to get their hands on the ball all the way. Um, just a lot of just off. And I know a lot of it stems from the offensive line, but let's be honest here. They were looking kind of off for the last couple weeks. Well, longer since, than that. Longer than that. Ever since probably the Patriots, Patriots or maybe the end of the, the Buccaneers well, game. Well, I would, say, I would say you go back to the Buccaneers game is where it all starts. First half, the offense is brutal. And then – what was it, 11 plays, Tampa Bay turns it over four times. So, again, you look at the stats and you throw up whatever it was, 28 points in one quarter, looks great. New England, they look like the greatest offense in the history of football in the first half. In the second half, they don't score a single point, not one against New England, and New England ain't that good. Baltimore last week, you kind of throw it out the window because there was a lot of prodding going on and vanilla stuff. They got the lead. But then last night, you know, they start off great. 
And, I mean, they scored. You know, you take away the point after thing there with McPherson. But they score, in essence, it was nine points. But they get two scores, field goal and a touchdown, their first two possessions. And for the rest of the game, I mean, they were basically non-existent outside of the scoring the touchdown in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, there was they they had a <clears throat> excuse me, um, they had a lot of plays just left on the field too. That wasn't just the, because of the offensive line. Like I said before, Jamar Chase dropped like an easy fifteen yard crosser, uh, um, like a deep in route. Um, yeah, I mean he 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 seemed off, and he was still pretty pretty good last night. Um, but that's the good thing, right? Is that when we're off, we're still good enough to win games, and when we're on, we are just on. And that's the the good thing. That is the that is the the sunny side of this. This is the 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 glass is half full take. Is that even though they were off, and this is one of the better defenses in the league, they still got the job done. They that's were right. still able to score enough points. They were still able to keep themselves in the game and make a play and this team has been a defensive team let's get it let's get the notion that we're an offensive team out of our minds the defense has carried us all year no even, doubt even since last year they've carried us all season long so with that being said this defense it is ready even even with some of the injuries that we sustained, Eli Apple has been playing well. There's the one really really bad burn. Yeah, I mean, and that's going to happen when you're a defensive back in this league. You're playing against good players from the other team. I mean, sometimes you're going to get you got sucked in. Thought it was going to be a run. He left Andrews alone, but 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 I really thought Eli Apple laid it all on the line last night. I mean, he's a lightning rod. He's an easy guy to to like. He's an easy guy not to like. I mean, he puts himself out there. But there aren't a lot of cornerbacks that come up and hit people the way Al, I thought Apple did last night. I agree. He put his body on the line last night in a lot of the run game for Baltimore. And it's a shame that he got exposed the way he did on that double move yeah. because otherwise everybody would have been talking about a nice game from him. But instead, he gets burned on a double move, which is, if you saw the replay, looked real bad. Uh, he just bit on it and, and got beat for the touchdown. But outside of that, I mean, that's kind of what you get from him though, right? I mean – there's, there's a lot of good. There's also some bad That's mixed right. in there. But That's right. I will say, Tom, uh, Casey mentioned glass half full. Bengals fans could probably use a little glass of Pawnee water this morning, right? Maybe maybe uh, recovering from last night. Maybe use some Pawnee water. Well, I mean, look, we talk about it all the time. And, and if you haven't been with us, uh, they're one of our early sponsors here, Pawnee. They're right across the street, right here in Hamilton, Ohio. And they use this natural uh, limestone filtration, unlike a lot of the other artificial processing that goes on with other brands out there. It's a healthy, alkaline water. It's the best tasting water in the world. And, and you guys need some. I'm sure all of you had far <laughs> too many last night. Um, you can visit their website at Pani, P-A-H-H-N-I. That's Pani, P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. We've already had a number of people that have reached out to me, local business owners that want to find out how to get Pawnee inside of their businesses and their stores. That's great. That's Let's a good thing. Uh, and also, if you're watching the video right now, make sure you like the video. We have a record crowd in here today, over 400 people joining the program. So thanks to everybody. You can listen to this show in podcast form. 
join the discord we posted the link there in the chat join the discord um yeah we subscribe to the channel all that good stuff and and uh we're, we're rocking and rolling this week bills week big week here on the show this week tom because i think this bills game you know and, and we have four more days to talk about it we'll have plenty of guests this week uh, we're getting a lot of people on a lot of good people that know a lot about this uh, we'll maybe try to get somebody on from buffalo this week to talk about the well, game. Well, I think we go back and we get have, our guy Ruben Brown. Brown. Yeah. I mean, the guy's on it. He was a great player. He's like, like Tim McGee. Great player. Follows the team closely right there in Buffalo. And uh, we, we got to dial him up again for the end of the week. You know, some of the, some of the uh, comments in the chat, I think, are very interesting. Ben says, for me, a great team needs to answer yes to three things. It's a great point. Can you win in a blowout? Can you win in a comeback? And can you win a close game, a.k.a. a clutch play? Whether it's offense, defense, special teams, whatever. Great point, Ben. Bengals have proven the last two years they can do all those things. The other one, which I never remember, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong here, I never remembered the blue Libra being in the chat. I do not. We okay. have a lot of new people in the chat. If, you, if you're watching, join. Yeah. yeah. Start talking. Subscribe. Join the Discord. Yeah. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Twitter. <clears throat> so what about the Blue Libra? But, but, the, but the Blue Libra brings up a point that I thought of last night, and that is this. If Jonah Williams cannot come back this week, do you move Adenogy to left tackle and start Isaiah Prince? At right tackle. Yeah, whatever happened to Isaiah Prince? We thought he was going to start a couple of weeks ago, and Joe Burrow teased that, and then all of a sudden he's not even around. What's going on there? Yeah, I don't know what happened to our boy Zay. Yeah, what happened to Zay? We were going to crown him the king, not a prince. So, I mean, that, that, that I have <laughs> to believe is being pondered uh, down there at Paycor Stadium in the Bengals coaching offices right now. I mean, it, look. You're at the point now, this ain't some regular season nonsense where you can, you know, okay, maybe we'll let's just see how this guy does. I mean, it, it all boils down to what do you think about Jackson Carmen? What do you think about Edenogy, who played guard by and large last year, but we've talked about it a thousand times. He was a tackle his entire collegiate career. Three-year starter. They were very comfortable, ultimately, with him playing right tackle, and he's done just fine. Limited amount of time, but he's done fine. Okay, we don't know about Kappa. It's a great point that Paul brings up. I mean, is there a possibility? I don't know. But the question will be asked of Zach Taylor today when he has his press conference. Is there a possibility of Kappa? Did you guys see him on the sideline, by the way, last night at all, Kappa? I, I did not even think to look, honestly. Okay, I was just curious because, you know, he was – he was uh, going around in one of those, uh, not a scooter, what do you call them when you got the, you got to put your leg up and it's, it's on a, wheels. Yeah, a scooter. It's a scooter. Scooter, okay. He was on a scooter going around practice, but that could be precautionary, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but this is, um, these are grown men having to make now big boy decisions and hurt feelings uh, are thrown out the window. Analog Circle Podcast. Thanks for the super chat from a Ravens fan. Congrats. See you all next year. Appreciate it, Analog. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right, fellas. Gut reaction. Monday morning, 12 hours after the game's over. 
Do the Bengals beat the Bills? Rip the Band-Aid off. Gut reaction. Do the Bengals win on Sunday? Three, which we should say, if anybody doesn't know, 3 o'clock on Sunday, Nance and Romo calling the game. Oh, they're calling the game. What, what, what do you care? You went to the game yesterday. You didn't have to listen to anybody. You went to the game the week before. You didn't have to listen to anybody. Tariko was great last night going back. They were on their game. You just said the The only thing I didn't like about the NBC telecast, and this is where Fox just blows everybody else out of the gym as far as sound effects and making you feel like you're at the game. As a guy sitting at home last night, and I know what kind of atmosphere it's become down there at Paycor. It's among the very, very best in the NFL. But if that game were broadcast in Kansas City, if that game were broadcast in Buffalo, you would have had a much greater feel for the crowd than we had in that game last night. NBC, uh, they do a great job. Uh, the commentators, the producer, the director. Melissa Stark is phenomenal on the sideline. You know, a lot of people, they'll go hot and cold on different sideline reporters. She is on her game. She's not intimidated by anybody. She's smart. She understands good questions, uh, all that kind of thing. But, but you had no feel for the crowd and it had to be just beyond belief it right on i i i didn't see people were standing every play it was unbelievable it's yeah. a great crowd the the, the the and it only felt like a handful of times they even took shots of the crowd the wide shot it looked like a crowd i've never seen before kansas city buffalo included and those are great venues it was awesome but 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 kansas city and buffalo they just had that reputation and for a long time, this place was a clunker of a place to watch a football game because the teams weren't very good, fans weren't coming. It doesn't have the reputation uh, over the long haul uh, that Bills fans or Chiefs fans have. But there's no greater football fan. That's why when people tell me about getting into this whole debate about Cincinnati being a baseball town, total nonsense. Total nonsense. And I've said it for 35 years. Football is king in this town, and it is king in every town in the United States of America except for two places, three places, because they don't have, they don't have either great high school or college football that has a lot to do with it. Your pro teams can come and go. But the only three places where there are better baseball, it's more of a baseball town, two places, St. Louis and Boston. Outside of that, forget it. Cincinnati is a football town. 100%. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this this town is a football town, and I think it's going to be like that for a long time. I might push back on that a little bit because I think a lot of people – I think if you gave – I, mean, I this, don't know. This was a sold-out crowd for a playoff game. I, it was over. I think what it is is it's a – I think it's a winning town. I think this town is reacting to what a, every town a is a winning. winning town. I understand, but I think if the mm, I don't know. I, 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 I need I need a little I need a longer run out of the Bengals to be convinced that Cincinnati and the See, Reds. I here's the, my here's my pushback on it is the Bearcats have been doing so well in their football program that it's not just the That's Bengals. about to come to an end. I yeah. But I mean the Bearcats have really made a push too yeah. for this to be you watch football on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Thursday. Yeah. But it's true. It's true. I'm not saying it's – I'm just saying I, I think that the last eight to nine years have really warped everyone's 
brain. Well, of, of here's the, the thing. Thing. I mean, you know, when they talk about the Cardinals Reds. and the Cubs, and, and, and I was there with a front row seat to this. So I'm not like getting this second hand from somebody, okay? When the Cubs won in 1989, the National League East, when the season started in 1990, and I was a first-year broadcaster there, um, crowds were good. But then they started losing. 91, 92, Greg Maddox walks out the door. I can't tell you how many games at Wrigley Field that I broadcast where there weren't 15,000 people in the stands. St. Louis, Cubs and the Cardinals, huge rivalry. Can't tell you how many games I went down there to St. Louis. Whereas, you know, last decade or so, they're selling out Tuesday night games, 45,000 per game. So the point I'm making is, is every single town is a winner's town. Just some, you know, more so baseball than football. Somebody yeah. points out in the chat, San Diego is a baseball town, and that is because they no longer have a football team. And the baseball team's pretty good. And college football stinks. Reed Mouse made the comment, L.A.'s a baseball town. L.A.'s just huge. Huge. They got two NFL teams. They got a Major League Baseball team. They have another, another pro football team in USC. Um, you know, there's just so many people there that, that, that they're going to come to everything. Yeah. Um, but... I'm going to go back to the original question here that started all this. Sunday, 3 o'clock, they kick it off. Sunday at 7 o'clock, are Bengals fans happy or sad? I need a – this can – I'm not – this is not going to be the pick that we make on Friday. Info can change through the week. Maybe a, a lineman gets healthy for the Bengals. Somebody gets hurt in practice for the Bills. Somebody gets hurt in practice for the Bengals. I'm just saying right now with how the teams played yesterday – do the Bengals win on Sunday? I just want a quick pulse, you know, state of the union. Tom. No. Oof. No. Um, Badly or? You just asked me for a gut reaction, and I have plenty of time to change my mind. But based on what I saw last night and okay. yesterday from both teams, okay. Buffalo and Cincinnati, Buffalo didn't lose any offensive linemen. Buffalo's not down three offensive linemen from what they've had all year long, right? They have a quarterback that, yes, he'll turn it over and get sloppy. But is the Buffalo offense, at least philosophically, is it going to change because of not having personnel that they had before the start of the game yesterday like it very much might be for the Bengals? I think when both are fairly healthy, I think the Bengals are a much better team than the Buffalo Bills. But when I look at what Baltimore did last night, especially in the run game, and look, Buffalo's not a great run team, but they ran it a little better yesterday, and we know Allen can run it. I, I just thought the Bengals were extremely lucky to win that game last night. Casey, go. Man, um, my gut reaction is yes. Um, but it is not going to be pretty. It's going to be another just brutal game. And you know what? It's probably going to be a very stagnant offense. We're going to probably kick three or four field goals. Defense is going to come up really big on a play, probably pick off Josh Allen once or twice, maybe one of those. You think is... he might throw two picks? Turnovers. I'm going to say okay. there, there's going right. to be All one right. or two turnovers on offense for the Bills. Okay. 
that's going to make it really close. Really close. But I do think they come away with a win. That's my gut reaction. What about you, Paul? The offense has to play better for the Bengals. If the offense... if No, no, no. no. You're not saying... Yeah. What's your gut reaction? What are you saying? I think the Bengals... I trust Joe Burrow to play at a better level than he has the last two games. Fair enough. And I think the Bengals win. Fair enough. Because I think we all are in agreement. I mean, this is not even a debatable topic. I don't even know why I'm throwing it out there. But the Buffalo Bills scored 31 points with a third-string quarterback. You mean the Dolphins? I mean, yeah, forgive me. The Bills gave up 31 points to a third-string quarterback. Now, six of those were directly uh, off of a fumble by Allen that was running for a touchdown by the Miami defense. But they still gave up 31 to Skyler, something called Skyler Thompson. He was 18 of like 43 with like 100 yards or something You know, something he battled. Like I give the Craig credit, though. I mean, he, I watched that whole game start to finish. Um, he, he was in, you know, he, he was in house money, right? House money for Skylar Thompson yesterday. Yeah. Nobody and his bro- everybody gave Baltimore a better chance than people gave Miami a chance, right? Oh, yeah. And they hung in there. I mean, I, I, nobody is rooting for the Bengals harder to win uh, this coming Sunday than me. And that includes you get nobody. I mean, I sit there in front of the TV. My wife had to go visit a friend who's going through some things. My son went to the game. I was the only one home. I got the fire going. I'm sitting there dialed in, yelling and screaming, uh, totally into it. Uh, but I – man, this – this offensive line thing has me very, very worried. I agree with you, and I go back to what I said on Friday's show where I do think that the winner of this Bills-Bengals game will beat the Chiefs. Now, we didn't see the Chiefs play this weekend. They had to buy, but and there's no chance the Jaguars beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, right? I mean, that's, that's not a thing. I'm, dude, they came back from 27 nothing. Well, against the Chargers, though. It's not the Chiefs. It's not an arrowhead. We all thought that the Chargers were going to beat the Chiefs when, yeah. We got some breaking news. Um, it would appear oh, that yeah. C.J. Stroud has declared for the draft. Well, I mean, I, I think everybody felt that was coming. Yep. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about the amount of money that uh, is going to be thrown his way. Um Boy, I mean, where are we seeing that? I'm looking up right now. Um, Field where did you get that? Field, Field Yates just tweeted it. Field Yates just tweeted himself. Oh, oh, well, straight from straight. There from we go. CJ's there track. we go. So good luck to that young man. He is he is everything that is uh, that is good about college sports. He's a phenomenal kid. And, and look, the money, the money is just it's. It, I love what Tim McGee uh, had to say about you know you have a choice at least now with NIL, you don't have to leave. But I think the key is a point he made about that rookie contract and now you're waiting another year, right, by staying another year in school. Because if you get in the NFL and you start playing, that clock, you know, just like baseball arbitration and free agency, that clock starts ticking. And if he gets drafted by the Texans, uh, obviously they would need to put a lot around him. But if he's the guy they pick and most suspect that he is the guy they're going to pick that, you know, he might get a chance to play right away. And then all of a sudden that clock is ticking uh, for the end of a rookie deal. And if you play well, 
cashing in on the 300, 400, 500 million dollar contracts that are being thrown around out there. Most people think Burrow's got a chance to be a half a billion dollar man. I think that's set in stone, honestly. If you want my honest opinion. Well, I wouldn't want you dishonest. Yeah, we wouldn't want you to lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Joe Burrow is going to get that half a million, maybe even more for a 10-year. I think he's going to get something like Patrick Mahomes, honestly. Yeah, and he deserves to. I, mean, I agree There's no, no doubt about it. And I loved what he had to say in that interview. Um, I want to go back and watch the whole thing. I was really disappointed that NBC... Again, and maybe it's just a generation thing. I don't know. You'd be able to speak to this, Paul, Brandon, uh, Casey. You know, I'm all for having a great time in interviews and that kind of thing. But I would much rather have heard you guys were in the stadium, so you didn't get a chance to see it. So, you know, much was made of the interview with Joe Burrow done by Maria Taylor. Is that her name? Yeah. Um, In the pregame. They only ran um, maybe two minutes of it. And a minute and a half of it has to do with the clothes that he wears to come to the stadium. Now, again, you guys already have a grin on your face. That's the kind of thing you guys and my 17-year-old son, you guys love that shit. Oh, no, I was What he wears to the game. What's his drip walking into the stadium? I don't care. I was grinning because I, I don't care either. I think that's a dumb question to ask after they just won. Well, they bring game. in a, a Collinsworth apparently had bought a jacket and they bring it in and Joe's sitting there and, and you know, I mean, it was cute stuff. I got no problem with it. It was fine. But I mean, I would rather have heard him talk about, you know, his window. It's his entire career. I'd rather hear him talk about, I want to play right here in Cincinnati for the rest of my career. We've got a big-time thing going. But we're talking about colors in a sport coat. See, look at you, Paul. You love that stuff. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? I mean, I don't hate it. I, I would have – I mean, I don't know. I don't really care, I guess. I don't hate it. I don't, I don't really care. I don't know. It's good content. It's good social media content. Well, again, that's the point I'm making. Is is that that's what it's become? I mean, that's all it is. It's just good social media content. People eat it up. I mean, he Burrow walked in wearing slippers to the interview. It was actually kind of funny. Walked in, he had a pair of slippers on, and uh, it was funny. Um, But I don't know. I don't. I don't really. I I just don't. I I don't want to. You know. I, I, I. I. and you were talking about the interview that they did, the, the pregame thing with NBC that they ran on Saturday. Is no, no, no. Well, about, no, no. well they might have, whenever they did it, I don't know. But, but they ran it. And, you know, NBC has like 27 guys that work on that Sunday night football thing. Yeah. I mean, they got three or four of them in the studio. They got another three or four on another part of the studio. They got five guys down on the field. They're all given their pick for the game. And all of that in lieu of hearing more from Joe Burrow. And I think America really likes Joe Burrow. I think they'd like to hear a little bit more from him. It's not some national team that gets a ton of pub. You know, you turn on one of these NFL games, Patrick Mahomes seemingly is in every other commercial. I even saw Justin Herbert in a commercial. Did you see that? Yeah, Yeah, it was so so far. Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense though, right? Well, of course. But I'm just saying the point I'm making is 
whether it's Aaron Rodgers or now Herbert or Mahomes, and all those guys have earned, you know, getting commercial endorsement. God bless them. God bless them all. But you don't see Burrow on much of that stuff. I just like to hear from Burrow a little bit more about something relevant besides a sport coat choice before a game. True. Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, we talk about whether this town is a baseball town, whether it's a football town, whether it's just a winning town, whatever it is. But one of the coolest traditions that Zach Taylor has started here in, uh, in the last two years is what he has done after the Bengals have won their postseason games. He takes the game balls and he delivers them to the local watering holes, the bars, wherever it is. So we have... Man of the people! Pictures. Can I hit the button? Or no? On Zach Taylor? No, not yet. Go ahead. What? Come on. I know that that is a big decision for Tom to let me to do it. Not yet. Go ahead. No, but go on with this. This is good so, So these pictures, we have a video too. But these pictures are of Zach Taylor down at the Blind Pig, which is downtown. It's not that far from the stadium if you haven't been there. It's a great little spot. I've been there many times. And uh, here's a video from Zach um, for someone in the bar that got Zach up there giving a little speech. I mean, that's phenomenal stuff. It's so good. So good. And I never thought, um, you know, this guy, there's obviously a part of his personality, and I don't know him at all, but there's a part of his personality that I really like a lot. And, And it's to be thinking of that. Somebody didn't tell Zach Taylor to go do this. This is just who you are. He's a guy that has to physically walk through that crowd and all the phones in his face and selfies and all that other crap. And he's still got to walk through the bar and get up there in front of everybody and give the bartenders the game ball. It's really cool. Sam Weish was the last coach in this town, maybe the only coach in this town in the history of the franchise, that connected with the fan base. Sam was very different in his connection with the Sam Bay. His had to do with when homelessness was really starting to become prominent in America and going down and, and visiting with homeless people and serving homeless people food, et cetera, et cetera. That's who Sam Weish was at his core. And in Zach Taylor, to, to think of the people that support this franchise and support him is off the charts cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's just such an easy little gesture to go there and to go to the bar to do that. I know he's, he was all over the place last year. Um, I know he went to MLTs. He, he's been all over and as I, I don't know if you do this every every playoff game for years that the Bengals keep up this pace. And, you know, I, I don't know if, if you do it for five years in a row, if you're winning <sighs> two playoff games a year. But what a great tradition and uh, just something so special that the people there will remember forever. They connect with it. Maybe there's people there that went to the game and aren't a huge Bengals fan. But, you know, they went to the game or they tailgated. But wait, we went to the bar. We saw the coach. 
Now, now I care about the team. You know, that's just the engagement part. It's one thing to go out and coach the coach the team, and you have guys like Bill Belichick who have earned that respect by winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl. But for a a newer um, phase of this franchise, for Zach Taylor to usher this in with the quarterback and with the fan support to get that sold out crowd, I, I was I was standing there watching the game. And I was thinking to myself, how cool it must feel for Joe Burrow. And at one point when the Bengals had the ball, the crowd was going ballistic. I mean, just insane as the Bengals were driving. And he flapped his arms like a bird and told the crowd to quiet down. And within three seconds, you could hear a pin drop yeah. in Paul Brown Stadium. And I stood there and I watched him do that. And I thought to myself, how cool must that feel for somebody to look around at 66,000 people and have control over every single one of them in that instance. And Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow and the rest of this Bengals team have completely taken over the city no that question. way. And it's so, so cool to see. No doubt about it. I mean, no doubt about it. Casey, um, you got any thoughts there on, on Zach? Zach Taylor, um, I, I had, was very hard on him, critical. Um, I think... He's really coming to his own. He's coming to being a a head coach. Yep. And he's he he kind of gave some of his responsibilities away on the offensive play calling, and it's been spotty here and there. But for the most part, he is a great leader, a great judge of character, and knows how to will a locker room. Yep, and knows how to will the people to believe in him. You know what I, I, I liked? I thought one of the most interesting comments that I've heard made about Zach Taylor was made by Joe Burrow, where he said, um, look, he's not a rah-rah guy. He said he's not that guy. He's not the guy that's going to walk into a locker room at halftime <laughs> or before a game and give some, you know, win one for the Gipper kind of speech. That's not who he is. He says, but when he does have something to say, he said more times than not, it's directly on point, exactly what needed to be said at the right time, and that is the job of the head coach. He's the CEO. He's hired good coaches. The organizations allowed him to go out there and get good coaches, and assistant coaches can make the head coach look like a genius, just let him do his job. Uh, we, we disagreed. Play calls, like you said, Casey. Uh, the stuff in the preseason. Uh, some of the nonsense. Um, but look, they, they played like big boys uh, last night. And it was Harbaugh, ironically enough, who uh, their offensive coordinator, uh, Roman, who some say is going to get run. How are you going to run that guy? You even have Lamar Jackson. And when they did, they were scoring 27-28 a game when, when Jackson was playing. But anyway, you know I mean? They're doing hands-off, handoffs to the, the, the tight end on third and one. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding? Yeah, was, you you a got a quarterback averaging seven yards a carry in the game last night, and you got Dobbins, a running back, averaging five and a half. And on third and one, you're giving the ball on a run to the tight end? Yeah. Believe me, the Bengals, in a lot of ways, they were gifted that game last night on multiple levels. But a win is a win. Tom, uh, we've been talking a lot about the Bengals. We've talked a lot about Joe Burrow. And, and I need to talk a lot about the men's room. So I am oh. going to step aside. Okay. All right, bye. All right.
All right. Well, well, um, while while Tom goes uh, to the bathroom here, what I was about to pitch for this, and I'll take care of it right now, is that the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Thank you, Encore. Appreciate Thank all you, of Encore. your support. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, so we have, coming up today, um, we have the box lunch coming up at noon. That'll be with all of us in studio. Brandon will hop up into, into this chair. We'll play musical chairs. I'll go over there with Reed. Trace will be up on the set. I know Trace has a lot to talk about from, from this weekend. We haven't even gotten into the Giants and the Vikings game yesterday. We'll talk about that when Tom comes back here into the studio from the restroom. Um, Casey, I, I, we have a cherry on top that we'll get to. We have some sound from Sam Hubbard that we can get to. Um, but overall, I just I kind of look at this game, Casey, and, and we've talked a lot about it already. But overall, I just I keep going back to some of the things that you miss when you're in the stadium versus when you're when you're on when you're watching the game on TV. You know, when you're watching the broadcast. And we talk about how well some of these guys play, how well, uh, how poorly some of these guys play. Was there anybody that you felt like that stood out in your head that that you were surprised by, whether Good or bad? Is there anything that comes to the top of your head? Um, I mean, the one thing that just keeps me worried about the Ravens, honestly, was just where Roquan Smith was. He was literally on every tackle, it seemed like. It seemed like the announcer just wore out his name every time. Yeah. Roquan Smith, number 19 with a tackle. I mean, it, it didn't matter where it was. He was there. And that that was just – I know he's a great football player, but that surprised me. The other guy that really surprised me was Jackson Carmen and how bad he was. I mean, the dude – I don't know if you could see this in the broadcast, but the dude just kept flopping. Like, not flopping. He was literally being lifted up off the ground, being shoved up in the air, probably up by a foot. On some yeah. of these these blocking assignments, and man, it was just rough. I didn't realize how bad he had gotten. Well, we can talk about some positives here. <laughs> I know that's not what you were looking we for. We can but talk that's... about some positives, and one huge positive, we talk about, again, how the, the Bengals are incorporating their hometown. Well, just kind of by the luck of the draw, they get somebody from their hometown and Sam Hubbard, and he makes what might be the biggest defensive play in franchise history. I don't be one of the biggest I, plays of all time. I, I, for I, yeah. Bengals. Because not only did they score a touchdown on the play, it also prevented the touchdown that may have ended up being a season ending touchdown for the Bengals. A 14 so point swing. It was a 14 point swing on one play. Casey, let's roll the play one more time for people that might be just joining in. And then we'll roll the sound from Sam Hubbard. Right around Hundley. He reaches. Oh, that ball's out. That's live. And then here, let's hear what uh, what Sam Hubbard had to say after this one. 
even dream that one up. Uh, it's pretty special, but uh, probably the feeling of just running to the sideline and seeing everybody's face. Uh, you can't replicate a feeling like that in, in, in life. You know, it's really special. <laughs> yeah, I was watching on the big screen. I was like, he's coming, somebody block. I'm like, please, please don't get caught. That's all I was thinking about. No, nah, you can't. You can't even dream that one up. Uh, it's pretty special. So, but, uh, great for Sam Hubbard. Yeah. Um, I see some questions. Also, thank you in the chat. I uh, see we got a super chat here from Rowdy Everpoint again, saying that Marcus Peters literally committed an illegal contact penalty or worse that wasn't called on nearly yep. every pass play. T was getting mugged all game. Um, we can talk more about that here in just a second. Uh, I people were asking in the chat, was that a block in the back? I don't think so. Maybe by the letter of the law, you could make an argument for it. But I think in that situation, in that perspective, I don't think it was a block in the back. Uh, I'd be curious to hear what you guys, if you guys have I, I just wish that. somebody would have hit him sooner. Yeah. That, I mean, there well, were two or three too. guys that had a chance to hit him like 30 yards before they actually did touch him. I think that was the complaint maybe most people felt like watching it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Von Bell was screaming, pitch it lateral to me. Because Mark Andrews is coming up from the rear, and uh, apparently Sam Hubbard is telling Von Bell. I just read this from uh, the Charlie. guy. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, and I, I'm trusting Charlie on this one. Oh, you guys told me Charlie. all about Charlie. So Charlie's the man. Charlie wrote that Sam Hubbard was telling him, "Block Andrews, please." <laughs> and That's Charlie Goldsmith from the Cincinnati Enquirer. He's uh, he's a great writer. Um, but yes, it was. A, he was mic'd up too. Hubbard was mic'd up. Yeah, so they're, they're, everybody's yeah. excited about what that's going to sound like when it comes out. Oh, let's rock! Yeah, so he was mic'd up. Let's go. That's great. Uh, uh, we had a high school football official, the Cincinnati kid, who chimed in and said it was not a block in the back. We trust you, Cincinnati kid. Thank you. Uh, Tom, we haven't done anything with the with the Giants and the Vikings yet today. Well, I, that's where Danny I was going to go next because we got to talk uh, in about the last 10 minutes about the game tonight and make our picks. But I just want to ask you guys, um, th th there was a lot of great football this weekend. And look, everybody knew it already. But, and Tim McGee touched on it. I mean, week after week after week after week. The NFL just continues to prove that it is not only the king of the jungle, it is in a different galaxy altogether than anything else in the heart and soul of the American sports fan. It's insane how good this product is. Yeah. It's insane. Um, what jumped out to you, obviously, Paul, by you bringing this up, don't hurt yourself by patting yourself on the back. Oh, okay, I won't. because you, you know, you were the lone wolf in the wilderness, so to speak, believing in one Daniel Jones. Look, Tom. And he looked great. I mean, I thought he was the best quarterback over the weekend for any team in a postseason. Yeah, look, somebody has to be in your corner. And I don't know if this is, <laughs> I don't know if. <laughs> so you're in your own corner. Is that what you're saying? I don't know if this is where I really wanted to end up, but I'm here. And I guess I got to, I guess I got to stick around. Danny Dimes was 24 for 35 for 301 yards, yep. two touchdowns, and no picks. 17 carries in the game. He for, had more carries than J.K. Dobbins for almost 80 yards. Danny Dimes, baby. I found myself here, and I can't leave. 
and it takes down Leif Erikson and the Vikings. They didn't oh. play at 1 o'clock, and didn't we say it? He, he, he No sign. Fair weather guy. Leif, Leif Erikson. Nowhere in the uh, He hopped on his ship, and he's way out of here. I mean, He's gone. On. And the Vikings' defense stinks. Boy, did they stink. Yeah, they were frauds from the start. Oh. But uh, well, what, what about other thoughts um, from the weekend? You know, the, there's talk this morning. Do the Chargers stay with Brandon Staley as their head coach? Ooh, yeah. People are very critical of Brandon Staley, and rightfully so. But, I mean, it was a team team effort loss. Yes, the defense had five turnovers. And, yes, they scored 27 points on offense. Or not on offense, but they, they scored 27 points. But the team lost that game. It wasn't – you can't blame just one guy. And if you want to, I mean, I guess the head coach is the one that you look to because you can't let your guys lose the game like that. But, come on. Herbert was bad. The defense sucked. They couldn't stop anybody. They came out just thinking that they had this game under wraps. And Trevor Lawrence, man, I mean, how do you, how do you come back from – Four interceptions. Guy's a gamer. Uh, gamer. A gamer. I mean, I'm sure creeping in the back of some random fan's mind, you're thinking, right, do they keep Trevor Lawrence in? Do they go to somebody else in the second half? Somebody out there somewhere. Somebody was Well, that would be an idiot. Somebody was complaining that about that. That would be the definition in the dictionary of an idiot. But to that point, to that point, that's... <laughs> I guess I'm an idiot. <laughs> Oh no, Casey! I, I was saying that. They oh, needed Casey! Oh, Casey. Come on, Casey! I please. said they needed Just to keep it Trevor. to yourself, brother. Don't yeah, admit that's it. Right. You shouldn't have said that, Casey. Why? Shouldn't have said that. That's okay. I, I, I'm. You're I, entitled I, to your opinion. Though. Yes. You're entitled to their opinion. You know what? That's exactly right. Go ahead. He proved me wrong, right? That's the that's the beauty of this is that that's Trevor right. Lawrence just surprised me. I. Most of the time, any quarterback is just donezo after three interceptions in the first quarter. Especially to the same guy three times. Yeah. But credit to Trevor. I mean, he, he kept it together and that Jags team. I, I'm going to have a trouble, trouble not picking the Jaguars to win that game. Against Kansas. the Chiefs? After watching God, that. I love you, Casey. After watching that. I love you, Casey. You fire you me up. Me? Let's. God, we can't cuss on this, but let's go. Let's go. I love it, Casey. Because I, I always think of myself as a glass half full guy, but damn, yours is three quarters full, if not more. Amen. Amen, brother. I love Amen. it. Amen. Amen. You know, um, you know, but back to the real quick, the Staley and the Herbert thing. Guys, if they get one, <laughs> one more first down in the entire second half, one, the game is over. The game's over. You burn a minute 20 at the minimum off the clock by getting one more first down and thus a brand new set of downs. And you mean to tell me the L.A. Chargers? Now, look, the, the, the reason most people are so upset with Staley is because of what happened the week before. You know, we don't get into a lot of this in this town because we don't cover the Chargers. But it, it, you, you may recall. Staley was a guy who doesn't play any of his starters in the preseason. Okay? Nobody. Right? They played their last regular season game 
their last regular season game, when they weren't going to slip, but there was a chance that the Ravens won. But they were in the playoffs. And he ran out a bunch of guys. All of his starters played the entire game. Guys that have been injury prone this year. Most notably, wide receiver Mike Williams. Williams injures his back in that game. A meaningless last game of the season against Denver. He plays the starters the whole game. They get beat. Williams gets hurt. Williams does not play against the Jaguars and this he, past weekend. He already knew that the Bengals had won, right? That game was no, at no, no, no. Four no. They had a chance to slip to no, the no, number the Bengals, six. The spot. Bengals had already won, though. That was a four thirty game, was it not? No, 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 no. The, when, when, when the oh, oh, you're saying the weekend before? Forgive me. Yeah, forgive me. Uh, yes, you're exactly right. That's and exactly he, right. And he played all of his starters. Yes, he did. And so people are going crazy that follow the chart. And how many of them there are out there, I have no idea. Maybe it's just us talking about this. But, you know, and then their kicker misses a chip shot field goal. Bad Which, scene. speaking of, fellas, is anybody in the room worried about Evan McPherson? Oh, boy. All right. So similar to my Daniel Jones take, I said about three weeks ago that I was not worried about Evan McPherson. I I got to stick with that. That I got to stick with. It. I saw too much last year to concern me. But the extra points, it's not even the field goals. It's the extra points he's missing. Four times? I don't know what's going on there, but it's got to change. What do you want? A new kicker? No, I mean. What's got to change? You just got to make them? He's got to start making them, or there's got to be a. I, I haven't really been focused in on the, Man, the, I, the uh, what, what do they call it? The. What what is the snap to the hold? What what do they call it in in technical terms? I, I can't. I don't know exactly, but the the actual. No, I'm not talking about special teams. You're I'm just talking, talking about, about the whole the exchange from snap to hold yes, to kick. Yes, just the exchange. And they have a brand I, new. Remember now. Since the season started, let's not forget because it happened so long ago where Clark Harris got hurt, right? They have a new snapper from where they started the year. They have a new holder from the beginning of the year. That was the Kevin operation. Huber. Now it is, is Drew Christman. What's that? The operation is what they call okay. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. But the point being is two-thirds of that group is brand new. But that's old news now. Yeah, I don't think that plays into this I, now. I don't know if it does, but it just – those are the two things that are different. Um, I mean, we know what Money Mac did last year. So you just naturally assume it might still be the operation or maybe the trust that's there that's not there anymore. Well, and your guy Thomas makes a good point here in the chat that at halftime I was – like you could see him. He came out. He's He was, he was hitting kicks from distance. And but somebody said before the game he wasn't making anything. Yeah. And again, how much stock you put in that, I don't know. I mean, how many times have we read where a kicker after the game, he kicks a game-winning field goal, and they ask him, hey, you know, did you feel good today? He says, no, I missed everything in, in warm-ups. So I don't know. I think those guys are all head cases, and, and it's all between the years. I, I, think, I think some of them have been at it so long. That dude for the Ravens is just – 
It's insane. Well, the crazy It's th- insane. He kicks it right down he the middle never every time. Misses. That's the thing is he does, it's not that he just doesn't miss, it's that it's right down the middle yeah. every time. Every time. Every time. But I mean McPherson's got time to be that guy. When it mattered the most last year, he was lights out. Period. Period. Uh, but the only thing is, is that, you know, remember, last year the Bengals offense, with all of its bright stars and great players and playmakers, it was the defense and Evan McPherson that marched them to the Super Bowl. It was not this offense. They had a terrible time scoring touchdowns. And here we are one game into the postseason and at least for one game, they might score seven offensive touchdowns this week in, in Buffalo. Buffalo's defense is good. It ain't that good. Um, so we might forget all about this. But for one game, the offense again in the postseason is not pl- holding up its end of the bargain. We agree? Agreed. You're allowed to disagree. No, I, I agree with you right now. All right. Um, anything else here? We got 15 minutes left here. Is there anything else that we have missed from the weekend? I had some notes that I was going back on. I, th- I think we've checked all the boxes on the bank. Well, what about I your boy? Any boxes. comment, by the way, uh, Casey, on your boy Brock Purdy? Oh, cool. Um, I still stand by what I said. I think he's a really good system guy. Um, I watched that game from start to finish, and the 49ers just completely outmatched the Seahawks. Um, it, it was kind for of for a half, for a half, for a half. But I mean, DK Metcalf is a beast. Um, soft. What you soft. think he's soft? What? Soft backs down. If you really watch that guy play enough. Taking plays off. I don't want him on my team. I don't want that guy. He was the... Okay, well, you can have that opinion, but I just thought that the 49ers just completely outmatched them. I think their coaching staff is much better than the the Seahawks, and they kind of proved it. I mean, they had three or four different guys score for the 49ers and Brock Purdy was distributing the ball, but those guys were not really in tight windows. I I, I just, it's hard to, to get behind thinking that he's going to be more than just this system quarterback. I think even so that makes him still a very, a very good quarterback. Um, but I'm not ready to crown him in the in the top ten at Shalon or anything like that. Okay, I think, he, All I right. think he's a Fair. a great. I, I think he's a great system guy right now. And when the league figures out how to stop their run game and still cover Kittle, I think we'll we'll see a completely different quarterback. Well, but, Kittle only had two receptions for 37 yards. Right, so your guy Metcalf they, had a monster game in that game. There's right, no they, doubt about they that. Just ten catches, couple touchdowns. But McCaffrey is averaging eight yards a carry. And they run the ball 33 times. They throw it 30. 33 times for 181 yards. McCaffrey is, I mean, boy, is he playing. Yeah, he, is. he looks like a whole – I mean, yeah. maybe people in Carolina saw this every single game and when he was healthy and he hadn't been healthy in recent years. But, man, I mean, that, that guy's playing. 
that offensive line just blows open holes for him, and he always makes the first guy either miss or not get a clean tackle, and he, he just so explosive. I mean, I, uh, I really enjoy watching Christian McCaffrey run, especially on this team. Is but, there any doubt? Is there any doubt for either one of you? And Casey, maybe you would be the guy that say you have some doubts, but Paul, I'm curious your opinion sure. before we get to this Tampa Bay game tonight. The 49ers are on their third starting quarterback this year. They've won 11 in a row, and they are demolishing people. I mean, they're not even playing tight games. They're blowing everybody out of the gym. Agreed. You started the year with Trey Lance, which we all agreed at the time. We said it here on the show, big mistake. Big mistake, especially in the locker room. Uh, With Garoppolo there, proven winner. Lance gets hurt, out. Garoppolo in, he gets hurt, out. Here comes Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, last guy taking the draft. Is there any debate as to who your quarter? I don't care if they get beat by 100 next week, which is not going to happen, but is there any debate as to who your starter is going into training camp next year, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers? Jimmy G. No, what? Over Brock Purdy? Jimmy G's gone. Yeah. I've, Long I've, gone. I think I think it's between Trey Lance and, and yeah. Purdy. It's not Lance. Well, he's going to be in the mix. I probably, he's Trey, the number one pick. That's why they started him over Garoppolo I mean, this year. You give him a chance. He hasn't played he hasn't played in three years. Trey Lance hasn't played. He's been hurt. He hasn't played in three years. I know. Been but hurt that... and he sat out. So then it's Purdy. If it's not Jimmy G, then it's Purdy. It's not Lance. But they'll give him a shot because he was the number one pick. They'll give him a shot. Yeah, they, they sacrifice so much of their future for yeah, him. Yeah, you got to give him a shot. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got, but, but it's got to be Purdy. I mean, this guy has taken them to higher heights. Now, Garoppolo got him to a Super Bowl. Whether or not Purdy can do that or not. Um, you know, I'm surprised how many people write in on this chat about uh, about Patrick Mahomes being overrated. I actually, I don't know how you can say that. I mean, what is a guy supposed to do? Seriously, what does he have to do? He's like 70 and 15 in his division. They've won 10 or more games every year. They've won the division every year he's been in the league. They've been to the championship game three times. They've been to two Super Bowls, and he's won a Super Bowl in four and a half years. What is the guy supposed to do to not be overrated? I'm not ready to have that fight for today. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> my, my, voice, my voice is not answer, having it. Casey. I'm not ready for that fight today. That's because you you were in there. You and uh, was your uh, bride to be with you last night? No, you were with your best man. I was with both. Oh, we all three went huge. Really? Yep. Darth Brando says Mahomes is overrated. All right, Darth. All right, but but Casey's not ready to get into this. Sneaker man says, says stop hyping Mahomes. I'm not hyping Mahomes. I'm just giving the, the, the facts. Give it the facts. All right, boys. Tonight, we have one more pick to make. We do have a pick to make. For the other uh, weekend. Um, I, I'm really excited to watch this game. And there's nothing that has been exciting in any form or fashion uh, to watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. Uh, nothing. Zero. 
But it's still Tom Brady. As your generation likes to say, in my generation, you said goat, the guy's a clown, and he screwed up a game. Your generation has turned that into an acronym for greatest of all time. And he is at quarterback for the Buccaneers tonight. The GOAT. Tom Brady, leader of men. Leader I'm of men. taking the Buccaneers tonight. What's the spread on that one according to Bedfred? Two and a half. I am taking Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to cover that. At home. Casey. Ooh, you know, um, I've struggled with this one back and forth, but my dad and I talked about it last night, and my dad is a very, very smart man. Um, he, he knows football, and he's watched this this Tom Brady-led Bucks, and he, he sees a lot of holes. And I tend to agree with him. I see a lot of holes there, and the Cowboys, man, that defense, if it comes and it shows up, it's going to be hell of a night for Tom Brady. Give me the Cowboys to cover Ooh. this two and a half. Ooh. Well, uh, we will have our full picks recap tomorrow with the updated standings and everything uh, once this game goes final tonight. I'm going to take a shot here, and I'm going to say the Cowboys get it done on the road. I'm going to, I'm going to take a shot. Isn't this ultimately, and maybe you could say some of them are, but I think this one crystallizes. Heart versus head kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're just one of those people who's a Tom Brady hater. But, but, but this, is a, this is a heart versus head thing. Your heart tells you, boy, it'd be great to see Brady one more time. Try to make the run and come out there and, and get it done. Prime time, playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Right? But your head tells you they have stunk all year long. He has been average at best. The Cowboys are a better team. They have better players. And so your head says Dallas. But we're about to find out. Um, do we have a cherry on top today or no? We do, and it's a personal one. Really? Yeah. A chatterbox special. It's a chatterbox special. Play it. I'm going to just come right out to it about that. Because this one... It's special, and I, I just want everyone to direct their attention to the front page here. The very first picture is our man, our number one sales rep, Sean Dixon. Oh, my God. That's Sean Dixon. He's not on the content side of things. He's on the sales side of things. He sits outside uh, on the other side of the wall. But that is Sean Dixon with a Bengals hat and a ton of cups on his head. That is a big-time lid. Isn't it? That is sweet. That is very sweet. Yeah, and not only that, I just want to say one thing to, to correct the newspaper. His age is 36, not 38. <laughs> well, he would appreciate that. Yes, he would. Sean, congratulations. And congratulations to the Bengalis. Uh, by the way, Paul, I thought of you before we go because there have been a lot of people asking about it. I made the drive down to Texas. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And so I was wrong about the Bucky's. Bucky's is on the other highway, right? When you're going south. Yeah. Okay. Um, but once I crossed into the great state of Texas, um, I said to our daughter, 
you know, I got to stop at Bucky's. And I, I, I got to get some merch. I've never seen one of these places before. You know, but as I said to you, it had to be, I am a sweatshirt connoisseur. And, and, and Champion makes the best sweatshirts of anybody. They're the best. They're the gold standard out there. Didn't have to be Champion for me to buy it, but it had to be something that would last for a while. And, uh, and I didn't get it, but that is a big league operation. The Beaver? It's unbelievable. Isn't it? It's unbelievable. If you haven't seen one, I had never seen one, and I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. Is that why you picked the Buccaneers tonight, the Buckies? Well, maybe there's something to it. Maybe, maybe that's a foreshadowing. Maybe there is, Tom. All right. Casey, Paul, thank you, gentlemen. Brandon, gentlemen, Fox Lunch. Here we go. Did you get any food from Bucky's? You know what? I didn't. I, 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 I you know, the brisket sandwich I heard was awesome. My daughter told me it was great. I, I, I you know, and I have eaten, you know, thousands of meals like the rest of us in my car through the years, going mm-hmm. to this thing with your kids or that thing when you're younger and driving here, driving there. I just, you know, I didn't want to do it. I had to go right to the airport. We had driven till about midnight to get to Texarkana, Texas on uh, Friday night get up the next morning so I can drive straight to the airport to get on a plane to fly home. Stopped at Bucky's. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Bucky's is great. Loved it. It's great. Loved it. Wish we had one close to here. I'm sure it's coming soon. We have one yeah. two hours from here. If you ever if you ever get the Where? Richmond, Kentucky. Oh yeah. Where yeah. where are these located? Where what what geographically? I think are? a bunch of them are in Texas, right? They're they're based out of Texas, but there are if you drive down to Florida, there are three on your way. One's in Richmond, Kentucky. There's two in Georgia. Those are all on 75, all right? All on 75. Yes, going, going straight south. Correct. Yeah. The closest one is two hours away in Richmond, Kentucky. Which we need to figure out if you're going to make the trip out west here soon, Tom. We'll give you maybe – how much more time do you need to figure out if you're going out to Kansas? I, I will know today. All right, big time. I will know today. I was, I was going to say, if there's a Bucky's on the one way, of the, we'll, we'll yeah, make a big deal about it. One of the things it. that I did not think of was, is that, uh, remember I had said to you, I, there was something on the back of my Correct. mind, yes. and it, 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 it is we have to plan a couple of college visits for our son because once he starts lacrosse season in about two and a half, three weeks, mm-hmm. three and a half, four weeks, um, he can't go anywhere. So we got to sneak in a couple of college visits. And that's one of the things, one of the areas we were looking at when you would be there that weekend. That's the AFC Championship game. It would could, be the AFC could, Championship. Yes. Could, could, be. Could, be. could be. Could be. Well, could going could be. also be in Cincinnati. Whether... What's that? Could also be in Cincinnati. It I'm going to try be. to raise some spirits in here from time to time. I feel like if you're not a fan today and you're not at least somewhat happy, then what's the point? Absolutely. Exactly right. What's the point? Because exactly right. that you that's a game that the Bengals should have lost out of 100 times in the same situation, they lose 95 out of the 100. You're right they about found that. found the five. They found the five last night, and that's all that matters. Yep. There's people in the chat talking about, well, if Lamar would have played, they would have won. It doesn't matter because Lamar didn't play. That's so right. what's it matter? That's right. Who cares? I mean, at the end of the day, you won. You got the big bad bills next. We'll get into that in a little bit. But You're a little the south last, on the big bad bills. The last thing I want to hear, though, is you talk about the hardballs ever again in a very – positive manner i'm going to talk That's, about him in a positive manner because if, if based on what you just said what okay at the end of the day getting dubs well they better the, the hardballs, hardballs I, I, i'll the, take them all day every day the hardballs better have pro. 
They better have digital clocks in their house because they don't know how to read a clock. I can tell you that. Well, that, I, that I'm not going to argue about. But I know at the end of the day, if you want to talk about John Harbaugh had his team ready to play last They night. executed their plan perfectly. No doubt about it. Now, he screwed up. Yes. He screwed up. And, and this is where you get into the whole thing about we're talking about the Evans or the Andrews running on third down in a yard talking about not having Dobbins in the game when you get inside the five. Um, you know, look, th th that's, that's a part of football, fellas, and, and maybe you guys understand it a lot better than I do because I know I understand nothing about it. But I used to talk to Barry Alvarez about this all the time. Barry Alvarez won three Rose Bowls, turned around, and, and turned Wisconsin into one of the top 20 college football programs in the country when it might have been the worst in all Division I when he took the job. And I would talk to him for hours about as a head coach who's not the play caller, okay? And now all of a sudden you start hearing all this stuff inside your head about the plays that are being called by your offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, in this case, for the Ravens. If I'm John Harbaugh, and this is where I said he cost him a game last night, so I've already gone on record as saying that. Fair. All right? I've already gone on record as saying it. But when I hear third down in a yard in the red zone, and my offensive coordinator has decided the way my quarterback is running the ball and the way my primary running back is running the ball, that my tight end is going to get a handoff third and one. Somebody's getting an earful. Yeah. And when my player personnel grouping inside the 10 to try and take the lead against Cincinnati in a playoff game, and that player personnel package does not have J.K. Dobbins inside the three, Somebody's losing their job. You mean you don't like the rollout to the right on the three-yard line to throw it <laughs> no, all the way no, back to the left? No. A screen no, pass? No, I don't. You don't like that play? No, I don't. And I just, I, for the life of me, I don't understand how when these guys are hearing stuff in their headset, I don't understand how they don't just step in there and just say, hold on a second here. What in the world are we thinking about? Turn around, give the ball to Dobbins. Turn around, give the ball to Dobbins. Turn around, give the ball to Edwards. What's Edwards weigh? 240 pounds or something? Yes. Right? Big boy. Big boy. Right. If you looked at the play that you're talking about with um, Andrews on the running play, where yes. he's basically a running back. Yes. They blocked that play to perfection, if you've seen it. Now, I'm not trying to say that Andrews is a, you know made a huge mistake. He's, he's not a running back, so I can't crush him for that. But if you watch the replay, he could have not walked into the end zone, but he would have been in the end zone if he ran through the hole that they were designing that's to right. block. But they he bounced but it outside. He doesn't understand that. Hey, I, should he? And, and that's my point. Right. It's like at some point, why don't you just keep it simple? Which is what they did 95 yards during their offense, like on the offense possessions for the first 95 yards. They're like, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to line it up and hand it off left, hand it off right, bootleg. And they were doing a great job. They were running it right down the Bengals' throat. And then, inexplicably, they just decided that at that point, they threw the ball, I think, inside the five-yard line last night. The Ravens, I think, threw the ball like five, five out of the six attempts that they had, or four out of the five. I don't remember exactly. But it just goes to show you that it's like, as much as we sit in this room and we admit that we don't know a lot about football, 
And as much as you can say that it, from a fan perspective, you don't, you know, it's hard to have an X's and O's conversation with someone that does this every day of their life, and mm -hmm. they'll just treat you like you're just completely right. stupid. Right. They're like, you're dumb. You know, they, they don't know what they're talking about. Right. It's like, well, like at some point, you got to admit that the, the, the just the common sense nature of what the fans talk about has to come to fruition at some point. Well, I got to tell you, Trace, last night for me, and I, I found this to be, um, I don't know what the, what the word is, but... It was enlightening to me because, as I said, I sat at home by myself last night because my wife had to leave. I sat at home and watched every play of that game on television and could pay attention to every play of the game and the ebbs and flows of a game, which makes football so great. It's why I hate the red zone. When you watch a game and, mm -hmm. and, and this kind of thing, right? Going to pick up my son, and we talked about this earlier, I had to drive down and pick up my buddy, I mean, my son and a buddy of his who, who, who went to the game. And the conversation about the game, riding home, was like people that watch two entirely different games. And so I only bring that up because it, it, it made, me, made me open my mind a little bit to, well, wow, may, maybe this is what it's like for a coach on the sideline. You know what I mean? Right, they have the worst right. seat in the house, yeah. which a lot of times a lot of fans have the worst seat in the house, right? You're, Unless you're the big you're, money crowd right there at the 40 or 50, whatever it is. Right. Terrible seat as a head coach. You really have no feel for kind of what's going on or, or what, you know, how they're reacting to certain things. You're trusting guys up in the booth who have a very good look at it. But... To watch that game on television last night, and most of you watched it on television last night, that was a game that Baltimore dominated the game. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to my son, and, and these guys know football. They love football. They watch it all the time. They know everything going on around the league with every player and everything happening. But when I said to them, yeah, Baltimore had 150 more yards of offense. Yeah, Baltimore ran for 105 yards more than the Bengals. Yeah, Tyler Huntley threw for more yards than Joe Burrow. No clue. Because they're at the game and you're emotional and you're into it and the crowd and things, right? You were there. Well, I was Big there. Operator. I absolutely, in like the third, end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter, they showed the stats on the scoreboard. And I look up and I see Tyler Huntley has thrown for 60 more yards than Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow had only thrown for like 170 yards at the time. And it, it shocked me because, I mean, you're at the game and you're watching everything that's happening. But you don't get spoon-fed all this information from the stats and the broadcasters right. and everything like that. You're just watching the game with your own eyes, and you don't sense those things in real time. And that's, that's the difference between being at the stadium and being at the game is a lot of your opinion of, of what is going on on the game when you're watching it on television is brought to you by you know, the camera angles, yep. the broadcasters, the stats that they show. You don't get any of that at no, the game. No. Play of the game last night for me, which, I, again, obviously you can say it was the, the punch out in the run, yeah. but it was the play before that. There was, there was a play yeah. right before that Von Bell. where Von Bell stood a guy up at the one-yard line. Edwards. Was it Edwards? Yep. Yeah, Edwards is 240-some-odd yep. pounds. That's a huge play. Yep. And, 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 and to be fair, Edwards, I think, kind of got tripped up a little bit before. He didn't hit him in full force. Because yep. if he did, he probably would have scored. But those are the small things. Like, they always talk about football being a game of inches. But that was a huge, huge play in that game, which set up, obviously, Tyler Huntley being an idiot. But, you know, it is what it is. Bengals fans, I've said it time and time again. Somehow, some way, that defense, they're not as good as that 05 defense. 
but they always find to make the play that the 05 defense never could make. That's right. So which, which side would you rather have? I would prefer to have the defense that you can consider oh. every week, say they're lucky. No I mean, doubt but about it. Give me the team that finds a way to always win over a team that statistically is more superior. And again, that 05 team, I mean, in fairness, I mean, I, I thought both of the guys were total gamers, but they were also, you know, the, the, the mistakes they made mentally that cost your team so many games and so many big moments there. With Burfecht and Jones. Yeah, that was that's the group you're talking 15, about, right? Yeah. 15, 15, I'm sorry. 15, not 05. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, those guys, they were great players. But, I mean, you know, you don't see uh, Jermaine Pratt or Logan Wilson or even Eli Apple. Pick somebody, right? right. You don't see those. Mike Hilton. Th those guys don't make those mistakes. They no, might they make mistakes, no, they but don't. they don't make those mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, boys. Have at it. Big day today. Clock management. So... Trace is going to take apart the Harbaugh's. Not just them, but yeah. All right. Your boy, you're a boy, Herbert. You don't want I'm to get into that today. I'm leaving it be. We'll get, we'll, we'll get into that tomorrow a little bit. I think that's the worst take that I think you have. And okay. I don't know. And it's a lot of Bengals fans. I just don't know why we do that. We'll talk about it a little that's bit today. Fair enough. But I don't know why we do this today. Why, what, what's the point? We'll see. Okay. All right. All right. Good luck, boys. Thanks, Tom.